Hi, I'm Allison Salami, and I'm here with my dad. Dean Salami. I'm going to be doing a New Testament reading from Acts 2, 42-47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I will also be reading from the New Testament, Acts 5, verses 41 through 42. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Good morning. Welcome to Gateway Online. Today I want to talk about how we're going to spend our fall, Gateway. I hope this conversation will be very exciting and very practical. But before we get to the practical, let me set the stage with an interesting note. Now, generally speaking, we love trends, right? We want to know who has the most followers on Facebook. We want to see what's trending on TikTok or Instagram. We don't admit that we want to know that, but we do. With that in mind, I believe the most noteworthy trend in human history is the growth of the Jesus movement in the first four centuries of its existence. I know you might expect me to say something like that, but if you look at the facts, there's at least a good argument to be made. Listen, the day after Jesus was resurrected, in about 30 AD, there were roughly 20 or 30 people involved in the Jesus movement, and a few of them weren't all in. By 40 AD, sociologist Rodney Stark has estimated that there were probably a thousand people involved. By 350 AD, 25 million people claimed to be Christians. People stretching from what is now the British Isles across Europe through the Middle East and further east into the southern portion of the Indian Peninsula and south and west into what is now northern Africa. Let me repeat that. There were roughly 60 million people inhabiting the Roman world throughout the first five centuries AD. The population didn't change very much. So in 30 AD, there were about 30 Christians and that's being generous. That represented 0.00005% of the population. That's five one thousandth of 1%. There were not many Christians. 320 years later in 350 AD, there were 25 million Christians in the Roman world. That's better than 41% of the population. I don't even know how to do the math on the percentage increase that represents. That is a very serious trend. I think it's safe to say that the hashtag more people became Christians yesterday would have been the number one trend pretty much on every, every day on every news outlet and social media site for 300 years. So how did this happen? What in the world? Well, there's not one easy answer to that, but we do get some clues from the early history of the church in the book of Acts. We find the dramatic growth of the church reflected in that story from Acts and we get, as I said, some clues as to why. So let's do a quick survey of that history. Now there are, there are several brief editorial breaks in the book of Acts during which Dr. Luke, the author, gave us a big picture perspective on what was happening with the Jesus movement. Allie and Dean read two of those for us just now. The first one is Acts 2, 42 through 47. 
It gives us a glimpse of the church when it was brand new and the picture is pregnant with excitement and energy and the picture is pregnant with growth. Did you hear verse 47? They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was just starting out. It was brand new and it grew. The next snapshot is at the end of chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. Now, at this point, the church was beginning to experience pushback from the ruling Jews. And yet, in spite of this pushback, serious pushback, by the way, we know from other sources that the church continued to grow. In fact, probably because of the pushback, the church was experiencing an incredible sense of unity to the degree, you just read it, that, that they were sharing their resources with one another so that No one among them had any need. Did you notice that? No one among them had any need. We also know that this radical generosity became one of the hallmarks of the early Jesus movement. And it was one of the reasons that their influence enlarged so rapidly and one of the reasons the Jesus movement grew. I want you to hear a little more about this. This is really interesting. Two centuries after the period covered by that Acts 4 passage, the Roman Emperor Julian lamented the growth of Christianity. He wasn't a fan. He said this, atheism, and that's how he described the Christian faith because they didn't believe in the Roman gods. Atheism has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. It's a scandal, he continued, that there is not a single Jew who is a beggar, and that the godless Galileans care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well, while those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. How awesome is that? So in Acts 4, we have the beginning of persecution, and put the church bands together, taking care of all the needy, and it grew. The third big picture snapshot comes in chapter 8, verse 2. This one is very brief. We find out here that the persecution had intensified. In fact, the church was literally scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. The church uh, experienced hardship and uncertainty. And at this point, some of them were being killed. And guess what? It grew. In fact, a man named Tertullian was a famous leader of the Jesus movement in Northern Africa in the middle of the second century. And Tertullian lived through an even more intense persecution than the one mentioned in Acts 8. It was systematic empire-wide persecution. And in response to this persecution, Tertullian famously said this, the blood of the martyrs is seed. The blood of the martyrs is seed. In other words, you kill us, And you're just planning a hundred more of us. You can't kill this thing. It's a God's thing. It's it's God's doing. Then the final big picture editorial note appears in chapter 9, verse 31. Listen to this one. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. At last, they get a breather. So what happened? It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. No matter what circumstances the early Jesus movement faced, it continued to trend wildly in a positive direction. It continued to grow. So why? Again, there are many answers. We just talked about one of them. Their extraordinary generosity drew people to them. But there's much more to it than that. Generosity was incredibly important, but there's more. I think the second passage that Dean and Allie read for us earlier gets as close as we can get to the heart of the explanation for this incredible trend. So let's look again at Acts 5, 41 and 42. 
The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Now, there are two amazing tendencies or two amazing habits, let's say, that are outlined here. And I want to focus on the second one today, but, but we ought to at least make note of the first one. Notice that the apostles had just returned from being persecuted by the ruling Jews and they were rejoicing. In fact, they were rejoicing because of the persecution. They rejoiced without regard for their comfort, without regard for their circumstances at all. I'm reminded of Paul's word in Philippians I have learned to be content in any and every circumstance, Paul said. And this kind of living above circumstances, this stubborn joy was compelling, right? It still is. But, but there's a second compelling trend mentioned here, and it's wildly exciting. And I believe it's what God has for Gateway, for us, Gateway Community Church this fall I believe this is where God wants us to put our weight in the coming months. And I believe it's going to make a difference in each of our lives and in our church. Look again at verse 42. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, now uh, back in January, Michelle Bowden, our small groups director, came to me all excited about a a new theme for our small groups. And Michelle was new at Gateway. And I thought, oh no, she's all excited. And this is going to be terrible. She, she told me about this passage and how inspiring it was to her. And then she said, I think this is it, Ed. I, I, I think this is what God has for our groups. And I think this is our theme every day in every house. And I knew instantly she was right. I knew this is what God had for us. I mean, this was, this was one of the keys for the early Jesus movement, maybe the most important key to their life together and to their growth, and it will be for us as well. Every day in every house, they proclaim the good news about Jesus. It's, it's consistent every day. It's ubiquitous every house. It's every day and it's in every house. So what does this mean, Michelle? And specifically, what does this mean for our small groups at Gateway? Well, Ed, I'm just really excited about this vision because visions from God can't be thwarted. And even when he gave me these words back in February, we had no idea what every person would be doing. They would be spending all their time every day in every house, work, school, staycations, everything right now is every day in every house. The vision is far beyond what we had in mind, but of course, won't God do it? <laughs> You know what? Notice, first of all, in this verse 42, it says they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Collectively, it was they. Now, of course, that means they individually. In other words, each of them were proclaiming the good news every day in every house. But it also means they corporately, that they together were proclaiming the good news every day in every house. And that's our small groups. Our small groups are that they Together, we as small groups will be teaching and proclaiming the good news every day in every house. So one thing I want to say this fall is I want to see our groups getting better at teaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. And another thing I want to see is a small group meeting happening every single day of the week before we finish this next year at Gateway. So first of all, that gives us plenty of options to welcome new people who are looking for fellowship. 
But beyond that, we want to do our part to proclaim Jesus every day this fall. It's what God has for us to do. Okay, look, small groups have always been at the heart of how we do church at Gateway. And let me just give you two quick reasons for that. First, that's the model in the book of Acts. That's what they did. They met from house to house in small groups. Secondly, you cannot do the Christian life alone. You need a posse. You need a circle of friends to encourage and support you. But look, some of you are tired. And that means for you, this is about taking on a new mindset with purpose that will invigorate you. And some of you are thinking, this doesn't apply to me at all because fill in the blank. I'm single or divorced or homebound or introverted. Guess what? This vision is for you too. We want you to pray and ask for God to help you figure out your what in this. It's gonna look different for each house and each person. And we'll talk more about ways that you can engage in the coming weeks. But some of you are also stay-at-home mamas and this is your everyday in every house. Serving your kids first and foremost is discipling your family. And you may have a parent pod of other mamas and kids that join you this season. That's a small group format. So some of you have never tried small group. And I just talked to the Monahans this week. They were just like you. When they came to Gateway, they were like, what's a small group? <laughs> and now they're small group leaders. And they were just telling me how they have people surrounding them in support and fellowship and care for their family. It's their midweek lifeline. Okay, folks, if you haven't joined a group yet, it's time to jump in. We need you and you need this. Uh, you know, this can be especially challenging for you if you're new uh, and you don't know where to get started, especially challenging in Coronaville. So during this time, how does this work, Michelle? How are we going to do this? Well, one of the first things we're going to do is offer open house. It's our answer to getting started. It's going to be a time to meet and greet with a group of leaders all in one night. This Friday night, September 18th, mostly every group will be open to welcome you in. Even though some will be virtual, we want you to come and visit and meet folks either in person or online. Just try one out. You don't have to make a lifelong commitment up front, okay? If you have to take a baby step and try one of the meetups kicking off the same week, that's a good choice. That's a good step. So just email me and I'll help you. That's why I'm here. We want you in a group and that one that really works for you because you need it. Gateways groups are for you. Okay, so go to mygateway.life and hit the small group card and uh, get started. Thanks, Thanks Michelle. Mm -hmm. They never stop proclaiming the good news. This refers to our small groups, they. But it also refers to our individual homes and our families. Day after day, every day in every house. That's for us in our houses. Check out this cartoon. Have you seen this one uh, making the rounds on Facebook? Now, throughout the past six months, we've reminded ourselves that God isn't surprised by the coronavirus. But more than that, God is at work in these circumstances. He has purposes for you and for your family. This is not a time to grin and bear it until the circumstances change. This, these circumstances, this is what God is doing. So to help us frame the upcoming fall differently, I want to add a new slogan to our vocabulary. I believe this slogan will help us reset so that we can attack this fall with the right kind of spiritual energy. 
It also goes along with our theme every day in every house. I want us to think of our homes as ministry centers. That's our slogan. My home is a ministry center. We tend to think of our homes as as retreat centers. And and that's a good thing, mostly. Increasingly, we think of our homes as, as office or school. It's also our sleep center. Our home is often our entertainment center. These are all good things, even necessary things. But I want to challenge us to add to that resume this fall. I believe God wants us to think of our homes as ministry centers. Our home can become a center for God's activity. Our home can become a place where the good news about God's love demonstrated in Jesus Christ can be taught and proclaimed every day. Now, somebody out there is thinking, I'm working from home, I'm schooling from home, I'm stuck at home, and now you want to add something else? Just stop it, Ed. And I get that. Look, I don't want this to be a burden for us. And I I don't want to add more to the to-do list. And I'm sure God doesn't want us want that. But but I I do think that, that God wants us to step into what's happening around us in a new way. And I believe he wants to bless our effort. I think he's always blessed this kind of effort. Every step we take in this direction, I think he meets it with his presence and his blessing. So think of the early Jesus movement. Well, God wants us to find favor with others just like they did, which is often what happened with the early Jesus movement. He wants our influence to be expanded. He wants us to make a difference. Specifically, I believe he wants to join us in our efforts to turn our home into a ministry center. So let's talk specifics. Let me just mention four specific areas of emphasis for turning our home into a ministry center. And I hope some of this will give us ideas. First of all, if you have a family, then this effort, turning our home into a ministry center, this effort starts with your spouse and your kids if you have them. Look, you wear a lot of hats throughout the week. Uh, Many of you wear the parent hat and subtitle under that, many, right? Or you wear the chauffeur hat or you wear the get things done around the house hat. Somebody just told me that's an overwhelming hat. Or you wear the provide awesome experiences for your family hat. Or you might wear the chef hat. Increasingly, many of you are having to wear the teacher hat. But the most important hat, your biggest impact hat, is the discipler encourager hat. That's the hat you're most likely wearing when you're joining God in his activity with and for your family. And the first part of making our homes a ministry center is wearing that hat all the time. That means with our spouses, we have to look for moments to encourage. And with our kids, we have to look for teachable moments. Literally, we have to be on the lookout. We need to be growing in our awareness of ourselves and the impression we're making on others. And and we're called to be agents of good news for our spouse and for our kids every day. Look, Many of you are already trying to do this. You're trying to wear the discipler, encourage your hat. So let's ask God to bless those efforts and to multiply them in our lives this fall. And let's ask one another about those moments. Let's let's make our home a ministry center this fall, beginning with our families. Secondly, second specific area of emphasis is turning our homes into a ministry center means being neighborly, literally your neighborhood, where you live, but also, you know, your circle of influence or your work or, or sports team, et cetera. And in fact, that's your extended home. 
Let's be neighborly. Uh, this past week, I, I aerated my yard and I, I rented an aerator from Home Depot. I drove it home in our little SUV and Diane helped me get it out and onto the ground. It was heavy. It, it almost broke Diane's back and we had gravity helping us. So I aerated the yard and I got near the end of it and I thought, well, how am I going to get this thing back in the car? I had it over on the driveway and I was about to clean it. Mike Cannon, who lives across the street from us in our cul-de-sac, also goes to Gateway. Mike walked across the street. Hey, Ed, how you doing? Made small talk for a second. And then he said, uh, can I help you get that back in your truck? And I said, Mike, that would be awesome. But, you know, I have to clean it first. And I, I, I was going to change my shoes. And he said, well, look, I'm, I mean, it's in the middle of it's in the middle of his day. He's doing stuff. He said, uh, look, I'll just go back over uh, and I'll come back in 15 minutes and, and um, help you finish cleaning it and, and get it in and to your car. So I said, oh, Mike, that'd be great. So I'm cleaning the aerator and I realized I felt really convicted because I realized twice while I was aerating my yard, my neighbor on the other side had just gotten home and it was my, the woman, um, and she's, she's awesome. And she desperately needed help with something. As I passed around my yard twice, I said to myself while I'm aerating, you know, I should go over and help her. And then I also said to myself, I got a lot to do today. I don't want to get caught in something. And I said, no. And here's Mike being neighborly, helping me out, saving my skin. Uh, All right. If I may, I want to encourage you in your relationships with others to be like Jesus. And if you can't aspire quite that high, then at least be like Mike. I know we're socially distanced, but there are still going to be ways to help. And by all means, don't be like me. Let's just think about raising the temperature on our neighborliness this fall. That's another way to make our home a ministry center. Third, let's turn our homes into ministry centers by praying. Let's let's make it a habit to pray for our neighbors, including those in our larger circle of influence. Listen, this works. Diane and I have seen it. Now, first of all, Pray for your home. Pray for this effort. Pray that God would use your home as a ministry center. Then pray specifically for your contacts, your neighbors, your education pod, whatever. Pray that God would give you ministry opportunities there in your circle of influence. And and small groups, let's encourage one another and join with one another in these prayers. Okay, fourth, fourth specific action. Let's Let's turn our our homes into ministry centers by planning some ministry center activities this fall, right? Let's put it on the calendar. Uh, Rob Showers is one of our elders here at Gateway and a good friend. And and Rob is also a lawyer with a firm in Leesburg uh, that does some really good work. Anyway, Rob hosts a devotional Zoom call each week with anyone in his office who wants to participate. And, and he asked me to lead that devotional a couple of weeks ago. And on that call, I asked the participants to reflect on their experience over the last six months. This was mostly a get to know you exercise, but also a chance for all of us to blow off steam because of the weirdness of everything that's going on around us that we're going through. Shockingly, one of Rob's partners talked about how awesome this time has been for his family. So we all begged him to explain and one of his, one of the examples he gave was how his neighborhood has been having a socially distanced barbecue every Saturday night throughout this whole time in their cul-de-sac. He talked about the warm conversations that they've had and the memories that this is building for his children. Now, I know the current, the current environment is challenging, but we can plan around the challenges. 
Let's plan some ministry center activities this fall and get your small group to pray for those when you have them. So every day in every house, first of all, that's us in our small groups. We are the they who teach and proclaim the good news. Secondly, that's us in our homes, turning our homes into ministry centers. God has scattered us, right? Satan thinks he's divided the church, but all he's accomplished is multiplying us. Finally, third, uh, verse 42 of Acts 5 tells us that they met day after day in the temple courts. And that's us gathering together as a whole group. Now, for some of us right now, that's still meeting in our homes, listening together with the rest of Gateway. For a few of us, that's gathering with a few others in, in watch parties, experiencing small church together. And for a few others of us, that's gathering back at 42350 Tall Cedars Parkway on Sunday mornings. By the way, for those of you who have not yet made it back to a service yet, it's a bit weird, but it's getting better or we're getting a little better at it. And, and we're going to keep pushing forward until we can all do this again together safely. We're going to continue to teach and proclaim the good news in the temple court. I want to end this morning with a quote from a historian named Kenneth Latterett. He said this, one of the most amazing, amazing and significant facts of human history is that within five centuries of its birth, Christianity won the professed allegiance of the overwhelming majority of the population of the Roman Empire and even the support of the Roman state. The complete story of the spread of Christianity in its first five centuries cannot be told for we do not possess sufficient data to write it, but we are still left with the lingering unanswerable question, how? Well, we know how. We don't know all the specifics, but we know how, right? God's spirit animated God's people. They didn't need large masses of people. They didn't need social influence. They didn't need political power. Insignificance couldn't stop it. Persecution couldn't stop it. Human sin couldn't stop it. And the coronavirus, social unrest, and political division will not stop it. In fact, no matter what has been thrown at the Jesus movement, the good news of Jesus has thrived and it will continue to do so. God has plans for you and for your family. Our current circumstances have not stopped those plans and God has plans for Gateway. So we're not backing off. We're going all in this fall, every day in every house. Now, will we get all that done? Probably not. But God will bless our efforts anyway, just as he has always done. So join us, every one of you, every day in every house. Let's go.